The bloke I really get on with is, a, is a, the average drinker, smoker, punter in, in a pub. I can, I can relate to them and, and I enjoy talking to them, you know, because they're fair dinkum people. When football's finished, uh, like, you know, having me couple of schooners. Just two? Uh, uh, I, I usually have about six. I'll probably have six every afternoon. And I, I really enjoy that and, um, and I do that every day. There's nothing better than winning. You've got to be a winner, and, and Tom O'Donnell just is a winner. I'm not a loser. I, I hate losing, detest losing. And I hated the opposition. I really hate the opposition. Like, if I went to the, if I drove up to a game and I drive into the car park, right, and I seen the opposition halfback walking across the, the car park, truly, I'd think about running him over. What you're seeing with Tommy is what you got. You know, all he wanted to do is go there and, and, and give you a best and, you know, and whatever way possible to, to get the win. And that's the way he was. I was a kid growing up, all I wanted to be was Tom Donegan. I used to love getting up early in the morning, three in the morning to watch him play the Pommies, not, not only back to the Pommie halfbacks, anyone who got in his way. And, um, you know, Tommy had that special talent where he made average players better, you know, and that's what, uh, something like Sam Burgess, the, the effect he had on South Sydney. You know, there's certain players only come along once in a generation, and um, they, that's what Tommy had. I said, cow dogs on. And, uh, and Joey Johns looked at me and he went, and uh, when the call came out, cattle dogs on, Beaver Menzies, not, not a bad bone in his body. Beavers looked up and he said, oh no, not the dreaded cattle dog, Beaver, Spud Carroll, love Spud Carroll. He just went in there, whack, 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 licking his lips. Joey Johns got knocked out, spitting blood. Oh, it was beautiful. We got people who cares. And uh, that's, what, that's what legends are made of. Looking for your next holiday? Maybe a long weekend with your mates? Or really need to get to the next game? Then it's time to What If It. What If has great deals on accommodation, flights, car hire and more. Plus, because they're the official travel partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs, you can head to whatif.com.au forward slash Rabbitohs and use the promo code Rabbitohs15 to save 15% on selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if? It's Aussie for travel. Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Grant Chapel, Steve Maven and Darren Brown. <laughs> Chaps is red hot here, so my phone was running hot there for a while. But could you catch him? Well, only if I got a bit of a start. <laughs> it's great for rugby league, but more importantly, it's great for the mighty Rabbitohs. Welcome to another edition of Rabbitohs Radio. My name is Grant Chapel, joined by two former Rabbitohs, Darren Brown, Steve Maven. What's doing, boys? Hello, chaps. Hello, Brownie. Yeah, good day, boys. How are we? Yeah, good. Another pretty solid, convincing win last night for the boys. Yeah, it was solid, mate. I thought it was a great performance, and we'll probably touch on it a little bit later. With some um, sad news, Mova. Yeah, we lost the great Tommy Terrific, Tom Radonikus, a legend, an icon. It was a sad day. Yeah, one of the real great characters of the game, Brownie. Yeah, well, what you've seen is what you got with Tommy, wasn't he? He was a champion on and off the field and played with his heart on his sleeve and probably wasn't one of the the greatest halfbacks all the time, but 
what he did do is he, he tried to get over his opposition. What he tried to do was get over his opposite number every game. Yeah, he's from a bygone era, but people loved him. He was a man of the people. He loved a beer and a bet and a smoke. But he was tough as they come, and he could play. Don't worry about that. He played in the first origin against the great Artie Beetson, and I think they're two iconic figures of that now. And Albie from Steel Sports Radio had the idea that they should just name it after them now, the Radonikus Beetson Trophy or Shield. I think that would be a fitting tribute to the great man. But also he's remembered for the face slap. And everyone's seen it when they're slapping each other in the dressing room. And someone had a good story about that. I think it was Spud Carroll. He said, I said to Tommy, slap me in the face. And he slapped me. He said, come on, make it hard. And he slapped him. He said, he dead said, hammered me. He goes, oh, wow. How good is this? There's some great footage of that, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Les Boyd ended up nearly getting into a stink. I think it was with Dallas Donnelly. Yeah. That was unbelievable scenes. And... Uh, just another thing that Tommy was famous for and was the cattle dog call in the state of origin, boys. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Who can forget it? Spud started it off, I think. And then Joey, you thought he'd take on uh, the Jamie other... Goddard. <laughs> Jamie Goddard. And Jamie Goddard got a couple in and got the better of him. And then Joey dodged around the ref, thought he'd have another crack and got another, copped another one on the chin. Got sat in his backside, didn't he? He did. Yeah, I got another story about the cattle dog. We worked with the legendary David Cement Gillespie and I, I'd seen Cement the other day and I said sad about Tommy he goes yeah yeah I said oh, you, did you ever get coached by him or, he goes yeah I did actually in the mid 90s I I was in a city country game and Tommy Tommy got us he got us on a Wednesday we played on the Friday night so we didn't have a lot of time and he, the first thing he said to me he pulled me and Chief aside we were the both front rows and he goes first scrum we're putting the stink on straight off the bat cattle dog <laughs> right and he said oh and, and you know, so he walked off Tommy and then it was pissing down rain. They didn't get the train. So him and Chief had to think about it for three days. They were coming up against Ian Roberts and Spud. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it was the longest three days of my life. <laughs> we got in there and out of stink and did our best. But anyway, I just couldn't remember. First couple of words he come out of his mouth was, the stink's on. Scrum yeah, one. How good was that? Mm. And he was probably a hero to many. And none other than our great Craig Tucker Coleman. And you heard what he had to say to him at the start of the show and. Um, yeah, rest in peace, Tommy. You're a great man, mate, and you'll be sadly missed. And we worked with Aaron Raper, who played in that state of origin where, unfortunately, Tommy didn't put him on, and we always give him a hard time about that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so it's just another moment we can remember about the great Tommy. We don't let him forget. I actually thought Wayne forgot about Dean Hawkins the other night, but anyway, he got him on in the end. He got did. 15 out of him. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later. The young Dean Hawkins who made his debut for the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. All right, chaps, what's on the show, mate? All right, we're going to recap that smash-up derby last night. We give it to the Broncos, uh, 35 points to six. We're going to chat with the Lissing brothers, Jerry and Martin. And that's a great story. You know, like these are really, really key South Sydney fans in the fight back. Our remembering of Rabideau this week is the greatest of them all, the little master, Clive Churchill. And we preview that game against the Tigers next week, Saturday, 5.30 p.m., Stadium Australia, boys. Let's go, boys. Okay, so we're going to talk about our global ambassadors, but this week I went down to Sussex Inlet for the Easter long weekend and I had a hit of golf on Monday in the chicken run, which I happened to win. But I was talking to a few old South supporters after the game and one of them was my playing partner, Donald Cameron. His dad, Thomas, 
and his grandfather Bill both played for the Bunnies, first grade. I also spoke to Pete Collins. He's from Goulburn. And he remembers when Ecker Sims came down and captain coached the Crookwell Green Devils. I also met Robbie Stewart. And his ex-missus uncle was Percy William, Rabbitoh number 183. And another mad Rabbitoh was Mick McCaffrey, who used to live in Denison Street, Hillsdale. So shout out to all you boys. Can't wait to get back down there and have a hit with you soon. And as I said to all the boys there, we want you to listen to Rabbitoh's radio podcast. Great Rabbitoh's connection down there at Sussex. There is. We're everywhere, Brownie. Sussex Inlet, across Australia and across the globe. Touch one, touch all. That's it. So our global ambassadors, we've actually given everyone a number. Ryan McGee is number one from Virginia, USA, down to Tim Mason, number 16 from Toronto, Canada. And we spoke to Pia Varka from New Zealand. He's number 22. But this week we're going to quickly talk about Tim Mason. He was born and raised in southeast Queensland and he inherited the colours from his old man, a dead set Bunny's Tragic Bill. Now, we've talked about him before on the show, but him and his dad got Rabbitohs tattoos and Tim played for the Kapalaba Warriors and they were red and green and we'll share that photo on the episode webpage. So fast forward a few years and Tim ended up playing rugby in Canada for a local club in Niagara Falls. Then he went down to Austin, Texas and he's moved to the west coast of Canada, Vancouver, British Columbia. But then he's also done a bit of refereeing and playing league, so he's been around. And now with this new rugby league comp in North America, his team that he's following now, the Toronto Wolfpack, have got to start. And yeah, Tim lives five minutes walk from Lamport Stadium, where the Wolfpack play. And he said, the beer garden there on game day feels like a real 80s, 90s suburban feel. So he's taken a little bit of South Sydney to Toronto. Just on that competition, there's a bit of breaking news. Former South Sydney Rabbitohs Eddie Pettiborn has signed with the Brooklyn Kings, boys. That's not a bad signing. The pet, eh? He's got to start over there. Well, he would be a great addition to any side over there. Um, he always had great leg drive and, and give everything he had. He's been playing in France, so he's going from France to New York. Oh, they won't know what hit him over there. The Seppos with Big Eddie running the ball at him. Oh, it's like a like a rhino. I think he might have even. Fence. I think he might have even played for USA. In a couple of games. He might have, yeah. A USA International. And just on Tim, who's a proud ambassador, he loves the show, and he said, we're his number one bunnies news source. Well, there you go. Yeah, well, I suppose people aren't talking about the Rabbitohs in, in Toronto, Canada, like they are here in Sydney, Australia, or up in Queensland, or down in Melbourne. So good on you, Tim. Shout out to you, and and uh, hope you... Have a couple of beers down at the beer garden at the Wolfpack Games. That's what we're all about here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast, connecting the Rabbitohs community all around the globe. Okay, let's recap the Broncos game. And boys, you were at the game. I had to go to work night shift, but your heads popped up there when the minute silence for Tommy was on. Yeah, we're part of the, I think it was about 9,500 crowd and probably not the best time slot, the Thursday night game. It was a great atmosphere out there, Chaps, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it took me a while to get there. It took me nearly an hour and ten minutes to get there. It's not normal. It's normally about 40 minutes from, from Atraville, but I think it was just the the Easter show traffic and all that, and we had to park in P1. I was up on level seven. I've never had to go that high for a South game, but it just shows how popular the Easter show was. But anyway, we um, we put on a pretty good performance, boys. I think it was pretty patient at times. Like We didn't sort of try to go for the jugular too quick if they, if they opened them up, but... Oh, high completion rate, Brownie. 
Yeah, it was, and and the wind came off the back of that, an eighty-eight percent completion rate, which is outstanding in, in today's game. And uh, I know we're always harping on about stats and you know run meters and so forth, but the most important stat is completion rate. And if we're completing around the high eighties every week. You know, we're not going to get beat, boys. Someone who held the ball was Tommy Burgess, 250 metres. I don't think he dropped it once. He's just gotten better every year, I think. He's on fire. Yeah, well, I thought our our power game was unbelievable. We had, you know, 10 players run over 100 metres and really the Broncos had no answers for us. And what about Latrell Mitchell? Two tries, two tries, sis. Keen as, keen as mustard he is. And it's just great to see. You can see he's happy. He's found a home here at the mighty Rabbitohs, hasn't he? His skill set is just incredible for a big man. The power of him, just his decision-making under pressure. Uh, it was great to see him even at the back end of that game where it was, it was, it was you know, they, they could have put the cue in the rack. But um, Latrell gets up there, contests the bomb, and has the power to twist out of a tackle with four blokes in it, put the ball down. Then the, we only had a minute or two left on the clock, and he, and he gets it from dummy half, tackle, Tackle four or something goes flying down, flick past a Benji, and then we end up setting up for a field goal to win the game. Like just, just to watch, to watch his involvement and how happy he is. His and, determination. Uh, He's just so, so aggressive in, in everything he does, and it's just, yeah, it's really good to watch. And they mentioned that in the call last night. The game was won, but here he is charging onto the ball, looking for some more work. So that's the Latrell we want to see week yeah, in, week out. Yeah, and speaking of Latrell, I, I thought. Our one, six, and seven were all instrumental in everything we did in terms of our attack, and uh, we looked very silky at times. And like you said, chaps, we were patient at times when we needed to be. There was a, a couple of times we went down our edges, and Alex Johnson half made that that gap that he normally would probably finish off. But credit to the Broncos, they came across in cover, but we held onto the ball, and hence the reason why we had that high completion rate and. You know, probably scored a couple of tackles later. So it's patience is what the game's about. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Look, I mean, I know we touched them up, but they scramble well, the Broncos. You know, they, they sort of, at first, especially in particular the first half, I think it was in the end of the game, it was eight line breaks to two. The scoreline could have been a hell of a lot more. But um, look, I mean, you don't want to see all these teams at the bottom of the table constantly, but I think the Broncos, I don't think they'll finish at the bottom of the table, boys. I think they, I'm not saying they'll make the eight or anything, but... There's a little bit there to work with. Mm. Tom Dearden in particular. I think the, I don't know why they bring on this Brody Croft. But uh, Tom Dearden, certainly something that Kevy can work with. What about our defence, boys? I thought it was outstanding. Got better as the game went on. The contact was um, got, got heavier and heavy. Sewer, in particular, a couple of really big shots. Mm. Even Jacob Host. It wore him down. Hadn't played since game one, and I thought, I thought he was uh, a nice little piece of the puzzle, boys. Well, it wore him down, and we had two of our best players out, Cody and Keon. And the two guys that came in, Benji and Jacob, killed him. Especially next Benji was was Benji of old. Next, next man up, yeah. Well, just on Benji, five. We've been going five rounds, and he's played five different roles. Mm. Yeah, well, go. I suppose we'll. It's like Hong Ha. That's why we call him Hong Ha. I go down to Hong Ha, and there's five different roles I can choose from. So, <laughs> Benji, if you're out there, mate, your new nickname is Hong Ha, mate. However, you're at Rabbitohs Radio. Yeah. yeah. Well, if we don't get Hong Ha, me or the missus, we go to one of those other ones. We we call it Rong Ha. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> get one at Botany or something. But also, Renner, our captain. Now, oh. two things. The first one was that kick across field, like they said on the call, because I wasn't there, obviously. But if that's two meters either way, it doesn't work. But it goes straight to AJ. AJ flicks the ball. It was one of the great tries. 
And 35-year-old Benji scores the first try of the game, so that was good. Well, just on that kick, he done one probably a couple of minutes earlier and it was only inches away, mm. wasn't it? AJ we, just was just repeat, we just got to repeat set two and he had the audacity to go, bang, let's kick it on tackle zero. Yeah, yeah. the and, first um, tackle, and it was unlucky. That could have been a try because AJ was unmarked if he just got that right, but he got the next one right. And then just before halftime, a historic moment, chaps. Yeah, it was the first two-point field goal kicked in 50 years since the great Eric Sims in the 1970 grand final. I think he kicked four. I think Bozo kicked a couple too, actually, in that game. But then at the back end of the game, Latrell's field goal became the only game in rugby league history to have a one-point field goal and a two-point field goal. Wow. That's amazing. You're, you're the stat man. Yeah. You're the David Middleton of Rabbitohs Radio. Well, I can't claim the last one because I've seen um, Brad Cook put that one up on Twitter. He said, well, that's the only game ever with the, the one and the two-point field goal. So mm. shout out to you, Cookie. So the, also in other... Record-breaking news, 145 points is the most the Rabbitohs have ever scored in five rounds, and we've had some hot teams over the decades, so that's a big story. And also Dean Hawkins. I really liked it when they showed his mates on the sideline wearing the Matto jumpers and had all the banners, and they were really cheering for him. And when he went on the field, it was a great moment. And, chaps, he went all right, too. He made a couple of good tackles, and he showed what he can do. Well, it wasn't just a token moment out there. He, he got a lot of early ball. Um, he, got, he got himself involved, done a couple of nice kicks. And mm. I'll tell you what, uh, like, like the great Tugger Coleman, kick, chase, tackle, boys. Mm. He was the first one down there. Yeah. He put a couple of shots on. I think he forced an error there, but uh, get end up getting overturned by the um, video ref there. But, mate, mate I, think he's, I think he's got a bit of game in him, Brownie. Yeah, no, definitely had some really nice touches uh, with the ball and uh, had the confidence to go for that 40-20. It looked like Renault was giving him a little bit of uh, play to, to lead the team around, and mm. a credit to Renault. And yeah, I thought that was good that he gave him a bit of time there, the, the half roll. Yeah, well, he did, and you could really see it out there that Renault was sort of taking a, a backward backward step and just letting Dean take control. And just going back to the 145 points that we've scored in them five rounds, it's a real big credit to our attack, isn't it, boys? Uh, really laying on some, some great tries and, and some points and it comes down to once again, you know, controlling that ball. And just unfortunately for young Hawko is he's come off and as he was jumping the fence, we don't know if it's his mates were mobbing him. We already talked about his mates were there and he's jumping the fence. He's got a massive gash in his knee requiring 19 stitches and he's out for one to two weeks. I spoke to his dad, Ash, and dad was a little bit disappointed. I said, don't be too hard on the kid. He's just debuted for the bunnies. So it was a freak accident, and unfortunately he might be out for a week or two, but he'll be back. Mm. And we've mentioned a couple of players, boys, you know, Latrell Mitchell and Thomas Burgess and Benji, but overall I thought we were all great from 1-17. to 17. Yeah, we were. It was, a, it was a team win, you sort of. I mean, we're getting contributions um, right through, like you said, from players 1 right through to 17. Yeah, you know, Mark Nichols. Cam Murray worked himself to a standstill. My daughter's out there with my daughter, and... Cam was on his haunches, and she said, what's wrong with Cameron, Dad? He, look, he looked sick, but he just worked himself to a standstill, and I don't know if we had any replacements left to to take him off. Yeah, maybe not. Um, he stayed out there the entire game, and he never shirked his responsibilities, and, and I still reckon he's one of the best forwards in the game, boys. In the last two weeks, we've had a combined score of 73.4 and 6 against, so I know we probably haven't played the greatest of opportunities, but it's been pretty impressive. One um, thing I just... I'd like to thank Wayne Bennett for his patience. My my girls were standing out the waving a flag in his face most of the games. And 
and he didn't he didn't he didn't get the shits out there. So thank you, Wayne. And your mate Dylan Carroll commented on that photo we posted of you standing in front of him. He said it must have been putting Wayne off seeing chaps standing there in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to Rabbitohs news. Brought to you by the Juniors Gripper Clubs. The Rabbitohs home away from home, the place to play while the bunnies are away. Now we just had lunch at Pinocchio's with the Lissing Brothers Brownie. We all had the fish. Beautiful food in there, isn't it? And service. George and the team there looked after us. Yeah, and we've seen uh, the great man, Shannon Donato, coming through. Yes, from the Top 4 podcast. They always talk about the long lunches and trips to the bistro and all of that. And we, what what we do you have conf- to eat, boys? What uh, we, well, we can, con- we can confirm that he only got a coffee. <laughs> yes, he did. But he might have went out to the lawn and got a pie. Yeah, well, that was, it was 2 o'clock in the hour. We might have already been there before, so it might <laughs> yeah. be a second trip. Uh, good man, Shannon. And also now you can get your Dine and Discover vouchers and spend them at the Juniors. So go on to the Service New South Wales app and do that. So Rabbitohs news is that Adam Reynolds has apparently knocked back a two-year deal worth $1.4 million, and we're talking about both sides of the story, and, and the news come out that South have got a lot of players contracted to 2023. And they're in salary cap trouble if they keep signing more players. Now, they've got 12 players contracted from 2023, the most of any club in the NRL, taking up $5.5 million in salary cap. So some of the names are Latrell Mitchell, Cameron Murray, Jai Arrow, Campbell Graham, Damian Cook, Thomas Burgess, Junior Totola, Liam Knight, Keon. What a squad. So that's it. And the thing is, we've sewn up 12 of these guys until 2023. We've kept the nucleus of the side, but... The retention team and the Rabbitohs have got a way up. We've got Dean Hawkins coming through. Just saw him play. Blake Taff, Lachlan Ilias. So we love Reno. He's an icon of the club. He's one of the greats. The service he's given to this club has been unbelievable. And we all want to keep him, but it's a difficult situation salary cap-wise. I've said all along he'll be with us for the next two years. I'll stick to that. I think something will be settled there. Yeah. Um, I'd hate to lose him. Like, I mean, geez, he was instrumental last night. Oh, he's how in everything. Good was he? Scored a try. Mm. You know, kicking games is, is second to none. It's the best in the game. Joey Johns was talking about last night in the coverage. I watched the replay today. And not, yeah. not many players would have been able to set that up. I mean, there was a minute to go. You seen him on screen. He looked at the clock. He knew there was a minute to go. He, he said to himself, 40 20. And then obviously he's changed his mind because there was only a minute to go that they're only going to get down to the 40 metre line. And, um, you know, kick that uh, field goal for two points. You hit it flush, that one. But no, I mean, whatever, I mean, we'll support whatever Renault wants to do. And, and I support the, the committee, retention committee, Ello and the boys. And, I've got mm. faith in them. Yeah. And, um, and they're, they're definitely not on bad terms. Adam's Adam's happy whichever way it goes, and so is mm. the retention committee. And we can understand. We've got to support that. And Sorry, chaps. We can understand the fans are fired up about this. They love Renault, and so do we. But talk about marching on the Rabbitohs' offices and f- forming petitions. You've got to trust that the club can make these decisions. They're the ones that have got the facts and figures in front of them. And they've got to make the decisions for the long term of the club for us to keep going forward. So, yeah, hopefully everyone's happy. We keep Renault and we can solve our financial problems at the same time. And we march see, on. It'll be tough to see him go. And, but um, you've seen Dean come out last night, great young half. And, and you, I always see Lachlan... Peter Mamazoulis and Blake Taft, they're always together. They're together last night, mm. watching the game together. 
They went home together. Like they're, mm. they're, just, they're good buds, and they could be the future of this. Club. And back a couple of years, you think back, probably you know, ten years when Renault was a kid coming through, a halfback might have had to get moved on for Renault. So he did. And when, if you remember, when Sandow got moved on, there was a similar uproar, and all of a sudden, we've got one of the greats of the club come through. So yeah, it, it's a tough one. I'd hate to be making those decisions. But we'll leave it in the hands of the capable team at the well, South Sydney Rabbitohs. Well, you don't have to go back too far. I mean, everyone was in an uproar about Bo Champion going for the great Greg Inglis. That worked out all right. Yeah. <laughs> everyone got the shits when we got rid of um, Adam Dewey. That one worked out all right. Yeah. And no one wanted to get rid of Corey Allen. Mm. But where's the Corey Allen story? So they've mm. sort of dropped off. So, look, yeah. I mean, these well, things happen. But one person we can't replace is Chaps from Rabbitohs Radio. So, long live our reigning chief. Let's move on to Spotlight on the Pathways. Brought to you by What If? It's Aussie for Travel. Chaps, what do you got for us? All right, boys, next week we're going to um, turn the clock back. We're going to have all three grades out there at um, Stadium Australia. Obviously, in first grade, we're playing the West Tigers. And in the Knock On Effect Cup, which will be played first at 12.40, they're playing the Western Suburbs Magpies in the Jersey flag. They're playing at 3 p.m. They're playing the West Tigers, boys. So, I mean, if you're going to get out there a little bit early, you're going to get plenty of entertainment, some really good young players on show and you'll get to see some of those blokes we just mentioned. And uh, what about the junior pathways chaps? So Harold Matz and the S2 ball, we are recording on Friday and they're getting played tomorrow. They're playing the Bulldogs tomorrow. So it'll be semi-finals by the time the show comes out the following week. That's right. I think Harold Matz are playing at Belmore and also our SG ball's got a good opportunity. They're going to play the Bulldogs. And that's right out there at Stadium Australia, and it's before the main game. So a good opportunity for them. They don't have to win. They made the semis regardless. Um, that's the SG ball. SG ball. We can't make the top two, but um, good luck to those boys, and um, looking forward to the semifinals next week. And boys, we got our female team playing, the the women's Rabbitohs team. They're playing Helensburg Tigers down there at Rex Jackson Oval, Wollongong. And that's a Monday night footy game. We've got rid of Monday night footy and the men's, but the girls, are they brought it back to life. So hopefully they can go down and have a good win down there, boys. Monday night football, Monday night. Under lights. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rabbitohs Radio listeners, we've got Harold Matthews, head coach, Bo Faluna on the line. Welcome to Rabbitohs Radio, Bo. Hey, Caps, how you going, mate? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, bit of a tough season. Big learning year for yourself, mate. Yeah, yeah, it has been, mate. Um, we haven't we haven't had many results on the board, but you know I can't fault the the kids' effort. You know they've shown up every week to train them with in, in high spirits. And um, on the game days, we haven't been getting the two points, but I can't fault the effort. They show up and they have a good crack. So um, as a coach, mate, that's that's all you can ask for. And um, what about yourself? Just the experience of being a head coach for the first time. Um, what what have you learnt about yourself more than anything? Uh, I've learned it's a tough gig, mate. It's a, it's a lot harder than being a, an assistant, that's for sure. But, um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. You know, I've been in good company. Like, having Joey around, he's been, he's been a big help. He's, he's got a lot of experience and he's, he's helped me a lot um, along, along throughout the year. So, um, no, nah, it's, been, it's been good, mate. I've, I've, um, we haven't been winning much, but I've still enjoyed it. So that's the main thing. Mate, we've always got talented kids coming through the system. Who are some of the players yep. that you've been impressed with uh, throughout the season? Uh, yeah, Brownies. Yeah, there's always, you know, as you know, South are always producing good juniors, mate. Yeah, we've got a, we've got a couple in that side. There's a few boys who are in the um, the Black Rabbits that 
Joe, Joe and um, a few of the boys are set up, which is which is going really well by all reports. Yeah. But uh, mate, uh, Tyrone Munro, our fullback, he's probably been our our best. And there's a, there's a big front row who chaps loves as well. Um, big Daniel, he's he's a, he's had a really good year. He um he doesn't get a lot of the raps, but um you know he, he always sticks his hands up, and he's he's probably been our number one enforcer all year. So. Probably them two boys, mate. They've, they've probably been the, our best two for, throughout the year. Now I'm not going to have a crack at his last name. You've dodged it. What is his last name, mate? You, mate. You, you'd, <laughs> you'd have a better crack than me, Cap. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that to you, mate. Yeah, Bowie. Just on uh, the the fullback, mate, Tyrone Munro. He's got some good pedigree yeah. in him. Who's he related to? He's from Redfern, I think, mate. But um, you know, he's just good. he's a good kid. He's got a good attitude. You know, he's still got he's still got a heap to learn. He's very raw, but you know he's, he's got a good attitude. He's down training, always, always training hard with a good attitude, and um, you know that's all you can ask for. With with kids with that talent, is if they've got that work ethic, you know you get there half a chance. So yeah, he, he's definitely got that, mate. Is he related to the uh, fox? Yeah, he's, I think he, he's cousins with uh, with fox. So he, he's been coming. To, you've seen him down there. He's been coming to a few of our games. So. Um, he always plays well when he's there, so we, we need to get him to a few more games, I think. Yeah, well, maybe next year when he's in Sydney, mate. Oh, yeah. Get him yeah, involved. that's right. Yeah. So we're recording this the day before you play your last game against the Bulldogs, so hopefully you go out on a winning note. But what now for some of the guys in your team and for, for next season? Yeah, so, um, yeah, we play the Bulldogs tomorrow, um, and after that, to wrap that. So, obviously, we've missed the final. So the boys go back to, to their uh, local club sides. And they uh, play the play the year out there with them. And I think uh, I think you can't quote me on this, but I think a few of the boys, about four or five of them, might be sticking around for um, SG Ball. They'll be playing uh, up and eight uh, with with that with that squad next year. So yeah, it's a full credit to them boys. They, they've had a good crack, and they deserve an opportunity next year in the SG Ball squad. And what about yourself, Bo? Where, where you gonna are you gonna go up with those guys, or are you gonna um, be Harold Matthews' coach next year? Too early to say it, chaps. I'm not too sure, mate. I'll just I'll have a think about what I want to do um, after the season once it cools down a bit. Yeah, I'm not too sure, mate. You know, I've, I've, we haven't, like I said earlier, we haven't had the results this year, but I've, I've really enjoyed it anyway. So I'm sure, I'm sure, I'll, um, I'm sure I'll stick around in some capacity, mate. Mate, um, well, we spoke to Joe O'Callaghan many times, mate, and he's got huge wraps on yourself, so. He says you, uh, you know, you put in the hard work and, and you're passionate about it. So well done, mate, and uh, you, you'll you'll make a good coach. I'd like to see you stay in the game there, Bowie. That's for sure, mate. I you got a big future in it, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing. That's the that's the best thing, a part of it. You know, being a being a player for so long, and then you sort of have a couple of years away from it, and you really miss it. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a good part. It's a good way to stay involved in the game. You know. All of us, you know, we've got a passion for the game and, you know, coaching is one way to stay involved. So, nah, it's been good, mate. Well, mate, you're an asset to this club. You played for the Mighty Rabbitohs and we've just put you on the spot. You called us about something else and I said, let's get a little bit for the pathways and it's over the phone. <laughs> but what we want to do is sit down with you in the studio and go through your career as a footballer because I think that would be a great story to be told. No, there's, there's not much to tell about my, about my footy career, mate. mate it's pretty average, mate, just... Just put the jumper on and had a crack. That was about it. Ah, oh, you're being modest, mate. I hear you're one of the toughest, hardest men nah. in the number nine position. So let's we'll get you on. We'll definitely get you on for a chat, mate. I think I might have turned you yeah. into a number nine, Bo. What you were playing thirteen, and when I coached you, I think I threw you in as hooker, mate. You did, Brownie. You did, mate. 
in the uh, the Jersey Fleet, mate, when you were the coach of the Fleet, you know, threw me in there and I, then I stayed there, mate. It was good. So there you go. There's a story to tell. Thanks for joining us, Bowie, on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Thanks, Bowie. All good. Thanks, lad. Okay, let's head to our first break here on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Export Freight Systems. Email ian at efsau.com.au and mention Rabbitohs Radio. He'll take care of you. NG Farrah have forged an enviable reputation for consistently delivering outstanding results. Rabbitohs Radio is proudly brought to you by The Juniors. We've been around since 1908. We're not just a team, it's a way of life, mate. With blood on our jerseys and pride in our hearts. The cry of the Rabbitoh was there from the start. Rabbitohs, you're doing us proud. Listen to the people, can you hear the cheering crowd? We've won before, we'll do it again. South Sydney will be there at the end. Okay, Rabbitohs Radio listeners, we've got two of the most important South Sydney fans in the history of our great club. Jerry and Martin Lissing, welcome to Rabbitohs Radio. Thank you. Now, where are you from and what was it like growing up? We'll start with you, Martin, the oldest brother. Right, well, uh, originally I was born uh, in Amsterdam in the Netherlands and uh, our parents came out here uh, in 1940, uh, 1950, actually it was. And um, from uh, those early days, uh, I always played soccer, European background, and uh, was a keen soccer player. Um, and uh, the first uh, involvement I had with South was uh, my father was a friend of uh, Clive Churchill and uh, our family had a delicatessen in Double Bay and Clive used to come down and see him. Anyway, I was there one time and uh, my dad introduced me to Clive. This is in 1954. And Clive said to me, uh, you're going to play for South when you get older. And I said, well, now I'm a soccer player. He said, well, you be a soccer player and be as good as you can be but promise me you'll always follow South. And uh, certainly uh, at that time, I did that. But he gave me a little rabbit badge uh, at that time, which I still have, uh, which is a pretty important uh, bit of memorabilia. Uh, and I played soccer and I actually represented and played first grade and uh, played for Hakoa and Prague and uh, uh, became a fanatical South supporter so much so that uh, when I played in the uh, the final playoffs in 68 at the sports ground, under my Prague uh, socks, uh, I wore Rabideau socks, or red and green South socks <laughs> underneath. So, wow. uh, and we played Panhellenic, um, uh, who was the Greek team, and Nick Pappas, uh, our current uh, chairman, his father was the chairman of uh, Panhellenic. So, uh, and I often talk to Nick about that time of playing. So from then on... Uh, that little badge came with us to all the grand finals through the 60s and 70s, uh, through our uh, court cases, right through to the rallies and uh, to the 2014 grand final mm. and still have it today. So uh, since then, South has become pretty special uh, with myself, of course, and the rest of the family. And Jerry, you, you were born in Sydney, I believe? That's right. I was born in Sydney and... Uh, uh, grew up, of course, with a, our loving family, and um, Martin, being the older brother, uh, 
said to me one day, uh, we're going to support South Sydney. And I said, yes, Martin, no problem. Mm. And then when I went to uh, infant school, uh, we lived in Maroubra. We'd moved to Maroubra from Double Bay. And it was an omen because our school colours were red and green and it was Maroubra Junction Primary. And I thought, yep, this feels right. And uh, I've been red and green ever since. Not only me, our whole family, grandkids, everybody. And boys, you're lucky to be here because we just had lunch at Pinocchio's downstairs and we had a bit of a pre-chat about your history and your family are survivors of Auschwitz, the Jewish um, Holocaust. And yeah, so that story is unbelievable that how you've come from there to here. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a story of a lot of South supporters that we come from a lot of diverse backgrounds and we're all united in our great club. But uh, I suppose Martin and I are very lucky to be here because our parents survived Auschwitz, but our four grandparents and 83 other members of our family didn't survive the Holocaust. Oh, gee, it's terrible. So they wanted to for- have a new life in Australia and fortunately they brought us up to adopt the Australian way of life and be very proud Australians and... Um, we're very grateful for that, and uh, and we we uh, will never forget and always remember our heritage and our background, and uh, we look forward to our children keeping that memory alive and as well. And our parents, even though they were never really into rugby league, they loved the Rabbitohs because we loved the Rabbitohs, and they often came to games with us as well. My father never quite got his head around rugby league, but uh, he did his best in his uh, European way. And speaking of the Rabbitohs, back in the day, South Sydney were more than just a football team, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. Um, They were really a way of life, you know. Uh, It was a sense of community. I suppose Martin and I growing up in Maroubra, all of our friends were Rabbitohs, our our families were, and uh, even though I was also a soccer player and played grade and so forth and ended up coaching with uh, assistant coach of Sydney City in the National League, uh, uh, I think that as much as we love soccer and we love playing, um, the Rabbitohs were quietly always our first love. Did you just say, just well, I was just going to follow on from Jerry when he was the assistant coach and we were both involved with Sydney City. Um, we had uh, uh, joint training sessions with Souths at Redfern Oval uh, and at uh, Wentworth Park where uh, Sydney City uh, home ground. So, uh, you know, our passion for both uh, football, soccer and uh, rugby league, uh, it was pretty good, you know. <laughs> that was pretty good good times. So uh, that led on, of course, to our further involvement with South as we uh, went along. Um, and uh, it, going back, uh, my wife, uh, we first met and uh, the first uh, place I took her to was... Uh, a Sunday morning at Redfern Oval for uh, the Save South campaign uh, that Don Lane and Mike Cleary had for saving the South Leagues Club. <laughs> That's and, nice. And uh, she was a Newtown supporter. Um, I converted her to being a South supporter and she ended up being in the South Ballet uh, as a dancer there many years later. There you so, go, listeners. Have you, is there any doubt that these boys are Rabbitohs, lifelong men? You know, your first date is at Redfern Oval. But we'll move on to, you've been lifelong supporters, but... You've done a lot to help this club, and we'll touch on that a bit later, but perhaps we'll start with you, uh, Jerry. Uh, group 14, we just saw Steve McDermott in the foyer, and I walked in and I said, here's the founding fathers of the Group 14. So tell us how that came yeah. about and your involvement in the in the Rabbitohs. Well, well that's right. I suppose uh, the first involvement that Martin, Steve and I had together were we, when we were on the marketing committee going of Souths going back to 1994. Um, at the time... Um, we were invited to 
to form the marketing committee, which was uh, by the club at the time. And um, uh, I'd organised sponsorship because I was uh, general manager of uh, the old flag inns that people might remember, and uh, which became Choice Hotels. And I was really tired of flag sponsoring AFL all around the country. And I said, come on, guys, we've got to get real in Sydney. So we sponsored Souths for a couple of years. And um, as a result... Uh, we got together during that time and we worked hard on trying to generate uh, funds and money. And of course, we're on that committee during the Super League war and we started seeing the writing on the wall. And um, I think the the situation uh, was getting worse and worse. And I can we can actually pinpoint when Martin, Steve and I decided that we had to do something and get together. Uh, we felt that we had great men on our board at the time, very passionate Souths people, good people, but there was a bit of an air of defeatism at the time With when you looked at the media and how you're going to take on News Limited and Super League and all this sort of thing. So we can pinpoint it to a game in July at the Sydney Sydney Football Stadium and Martin, Steve and I were watching us get flogged and said, look, we've just got to do something. We've We've absolutely got to do something here. We've got to get everybody together and uh, and try to get as much influence as we can. And we knew that we had a lot of high-profile supporters, you know, from, uh, you know, the Andrew Dens, the Mike Whitney's, uh, and politicians like, uh, you know, Laurie Breton and uh, the list went on. Ray like Martin. On Ray Martin, uh, Nick Greiner. Don Lane. Uh, Don Lane. Uh, Mikey Robbins. I'll, I'll probably be here for half the day if I mention mm. everybody, but... Uh, mm. But the oh, we want to get all them on the show, by the oh, way, too. So Look, if you're listening, your name's been mentioned, expect a phone call. Absolutely. And uh, we're probably going to have a reunion. Steve was just telling us that uh, mm. a reunion's planned of all that Group 14 uh, to uh, celebrate the uh, 20 years since we returned. But at that time, just very uh, quickly, we organised a meeting at the Cambridge Inn, which was my old family's hotel in Sydney, and got everybody around the table. And there was great Henry Morris was there and George Piggins was there, of course, mm-hmm. being our uh, Winston Churchill leader. And uh, we uh, Martin actually put a clock on the uh, wall that said three minutes to midnight. He might tell you about that because we felt it was three minutes to midnight for Souths. And then we officially formed Group 14 to use all of our influence to support the club to win reinstatement and fight it. And we knew at that time that we had to plan well ahead because we knew that 1999 was going to be the death knell and so we literally had 18 months to uh, put up a fight. Jerry, you just mentioned Don Lane. How instrumental was Don Lane through that period? Yeah, Don um, was originally, uh, you know, a a South Life member, helped save the club in the early 70s with Mike Cleary and uh, he was very passionate and uh, then Mike was uh, um, Don was overseas for a number of years, and then came back and uh, got in touch with Don. He knew Don quite well, and um, told him what we wanted to do. And um, Don, in the early eighties, had uh, promoted South number fourteen, which was the fan. Thirteen players on the field. Number fourteen was in the stand. So uh, I went back to Don and said, "Don, uh, can we use that?" to name our new group, and it was Group 14, which represented uh, the supporters, and uh, the number 14 was the supporter in the stand. So Don said, oh, let's go for it. 
and Don got involved with us and, you know, being very passionate, um, he was one of the great promoters of South with his uh, um, show that he had on two nights a week on, uh, uh, on TV, uh, his Tonight Show. And he always wore South gear, promoted uh, the club. And it's one of the reasons, I believe, why South is so well known all around Australia. Because at that time, uh, Rugby League was uh, Queensland and New South Wales centric. And the other states uh, were mainly AFL and didn't know much about um, Rugby League. But Don promoted that, so all those people in the state saw the Don Lane show and learned about South, and he had Sammy Davis Jr. on wearing mm. the South gear and whatever. Mm. So that's why one of the reasons I believe we've got so many supporters outside of New South Wales and Queensland who support uh, South. So he was very instrumental uh, in helping us get people. We, we always thought that with the Group 14, if we can get the high-profile supporters, and they had their high profile because of the various things, whether it was a politician, entertainer uh, or whatever. Um, but they were all just South supporters. They were just basically, yep. you know, mad yeah. South supporters like all of us. So when we got everyone together and um, there were some people who were at odds with each other out there, you know, I mean, we had Alan Jones and Andrew Denton. We had Nick Greiner and Laurie Burton. Uh, I don't need to say more about the various conflicts. Yeah, And they were sat down and, and told, and I remember Steve McDermott saying, right, you guys sit there and remember, this is about South, not about you. Not about politics. And uh, so yeah. that's how we got the group together and we thought that was a unifying thing to get the supporters to get behind and involved. We thought everyone needed to have part ownership of that. And that's when we open up the membership to the supporters. And uh, while we, even when we didn't have a team, we had 27,000 supporters. Mm. And today we've got, you know, close to 30,000. Yeah. Mm. Well, I knew Don back in the day. He used to come in the dressing rooms. And it was my early brush with fame. And that's why now if, if ever I meet someone famous, it's just like they're just another bloke. And treat them as like you treat anyone else. And the other thing about the national exposure is, Remember the match of the day used to be on Saturdays across the ABC, across Australia. So that's another reason why we got seen across Australia. And that was a bit of a loss to the game when that was taken away. But so, yeah, well, I suppose we'll ask you this, Jerry. Now, so it's quite a long story about how all this unfolded. But so Club 14's there. Then we'll fast forward to when we got kicked out of the comp. And just give us a bit of a brief coverage about how it all went down through the court case, the fight back into where we are now. Sure. No, absolutely. Well, we'd... we'd started, as I said before, planning um, the fight because we knew that was coming. And um, at the time, we had no intention of being on the board. We, we formed Group 14 to support the board, to support uh, uh, George and the, and the club. And as Martin said, we, we were just a group of passionate supporters, you know. Uh, basically, we wanted to be the vanguard of the rallying cry to get together. So when... Um, when the axe fell, which we knew were, was ca coming, uh, the first uh, step was that we wanted to face an interlocutory injunction or place one to play in the in, in the comp while we fought the court case. But the reality was that that would have cost us a lot of money and we would not have been able to put a decent team on the field just simply because we didn't have that money. But just going back a step, we didn't intend to become the board, but I think at the time... The previous board members were, you know, obviously had fought a long, hard battle. It was felt there was time for a bit of a va change of the vanguard. And and so uh, Martin, myself, Steve, uh, Deidre, Grisvin, uh, 
Dominic uh, Sullivan, who's the mayor of Randwick at the time, and uh, and quite a few others. We had a few changes on the board. Of course, George was chairman. Mike Whitney came on board. We we in, we inherited, uh, if you say the, the the leadership of the fighters, the board, at a time when we were out of the comp. But that's when we felt that now we really had to start the fight, and we started um, really developing a huge marketing plan. One of the one of the great things that happened was that the juniors, the great Henry Morris, provided amazing support because we needed some dollars on the table because we we actually needed to bring in some further uh, support and professional management. So we brought in complete marketing at the time, headed by Bernie Lange and uh, and uh, the, the late uh, Angus Hawley and uh, Dave Collier. And th- these guys were all very, very heavily involved in Sydney 2000 SOCOG marketing for the Olympics and they were also very heavily connected to the Adelaide Crows so they 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 developed their marketing strategies which were pretty good at the time so we brought that level of um, uh, um, management in to the team to support the staff that we, we we were able to to maintain and and we we will be ever grateful to South Juniors for helping us uh, mm. develop and fund that yeah Jerry um, the rally mate how did how did that come about Right. Um, when we, uh, you know, in the fight back, we had a lot of events for fundraising uh, because the legal uh, costs were quite uh, horrendous. Uh, there was a lot of fundraising on and we, uh, at a meeting, we were talking about uh, getting the people to express that, the anger that they had of South being thrown out. I must say, Alan Jones gave a tremendous amount of help to us through his uh, radio program. And uh, we attacked uh, Super League and there was a battle with ARL, of course, and uh, the traditional game and Super League. And uh, at that time, uh, the interest of the people was really wound up and and people from other clubs started to get upset as well. So we thought, well, we'll have a rally. And I remember Jerry uh, saying uh, that we should uh, uh, have a, uh, a rally and get people there. And then I suggested maybe we have a march and we were talking about having a march from uh, the club at uh, Chalmers Street uh, to the headquarters of um, uh, News Limited. Uh, Henry Morris then brought up the fact: if we're going to do this, we should, you know, go to, you know, where uh, people will take notice. March either across the Harbour Bridge, or better still, what about the town hall? And oh, at that great meeting, man. Henry he Morris. said about, uh, well, we'll have this uh, rally at the town hall. So I remember, I think it was uh, Albo, Anthony Albanese, picked up the phone and rang up um, uh, the Lord Mayor, who was Frank Sartor at the time, and said, uh, we want to have a rally uh, a couple of Sundays' time uh, for um, getting all all the people together. And Frank said, well, we've got something on there. I don't think we can do that. And uh, Albo said, we're coming. So he, he said, I'll get back to you. Ten minutes later, he rang. He said, yeah, it's all organised. We've moved the other people to the back. That's happening. And we had the first rally and we had uh, 40,000 people. News Limited didn't take much notice. Uh, there was hardly any coverage. It was on page 29, I think, a very small article. Anyway, an important story is for the second rally was sometime later. Um, and this came about, this is when we really got going against uh, News Limited is because you might remember they had the uh, Auckland Warriors uh, went down uh, and went broke, closed down on the Friday, 
and uh, they started the New Zealand Warriors on the Monday, a $2 company, and just started them up again and mm. said to all the players, do your best, and started up a, a new club. And then suddenly everyone, and Alan really promoted this on his program, and so people suddenly realised, hey, that could be my club. Mm. They mm. could get rid of me any time. So that's when we, a week later, we had the second rally. We did that in a, in a week. Seven days. Yeah, and we had 80,000 people. And, and a, then we were yeah. not only on the 29th page, we were on the front page yep. and we had helicopters above and it was carried all over the world. And yeah. uh, that was really what motivated us with the rally and got people from other clubs behind us. It really is an iconic moment. And, Jerry, I'll just bring you in here because we haven't spoken about your son, Daniel. He's a bit of a superstar over in the States. And, but back in the day, he wrote a song called Rabbitohs, and we've used that on the podcast, and I've made a film clip for that. And he sang that on the town hall steps. That's right. Well, uh, being uh, my son and Martin's son, Nathan, is in, in the same boat, had no choice. Uh, <laughs> happily um, have supported the Rabbitohs. So Dan was still at school then, and, um, and he felt so incensed about uh, what was going on. And, and Dan has always been very talented musician and actor and so on and one day he just came and said dad i've written this song do you want to hear it and that was uh rabbitohs uh the rabbitohs song and it's uh, I I i'm not going to sing it because i haven't got his voice but <laughs> the first words are we we've been around since 1908 we're not just a team we're a way of life mate yep. blood on our jerseys and pride in our heart the cry of the rabbitoh was there at the start and i started nice. crying when i heard that mm, I thought, oh my god that's it Goosebumps. and uh and and to this day, you know, he's he's been the star of major shows on Hallmark and movies and he's on, you know, other shows like The Rookie and all that sort of thing. Mm. But he said, my greatest performance was on the steps of the town hall seeing nice. Rabbitohs, which and, is beautiful. And what's the story when he came up to you one day and he said, Dad, why are we following this shit club? Yep, that's a true story. So Dan uh, uh, rang me one day and um, we were getting flogged uh, as usual in, after we came back in. And then he rang me and he said, Dad, Dad, seriously, why did you bring me up to follow this shit club? They can't play football. And then there was silence. I was stunned. And then after a moment's silence, he said, but Dad, I'll love them for the rest of my life. <laughs> till, till he dies. South Sydney till he dies. Till he dies. Yeah, that's yes. exactly what he said. And we'll mention your granddaughter. You, you, there was a story published by the Rabbitohs in 2015 when you, your granddaughter Charlie was born. What happened there? Well... It actually started with our other granddaughter, Jasmine Lilly, and we saw she she was actually born um, eleven weeks premature, and um, she was in the humidity crib, uh, and she'd just come back in, and I rang up South straight away and said, "This this kid's gonna is is a fighter." So we signed her up straight away with uh, the Rabbitohs that day, and that became a tradition. And she's a mad Rabbitoh today. She's a Jasmine. mad Rabbitoh. She will not take off her cheerleader's dress. Except when she's at school, and uh, she she comes to lots of the games. She's coming to Dubbo with us. And then Charlie Rose was born, and in 2015, and um, we got pictures of her with a rabbito gear with a uh, on a crib and the whole bit. And uh, yeah, we're going to share that photo. And it's yeah. funny because my daughter's Jasmine Brownie's Charlie. Is there a S- Samara or Samara? Yes, we've got another four grandkids, and they're all rabbito members as well. There you go. So uh, yeah, and we'll that, also we'll ask you. Martin, about your young bloke, he's in the armed forces. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's right, Nathan. Uh, he's currently uh, an instructor down at uh, Dundroon, and uh, he's been a rabbit from uh, from day one. 
uh, one of his uh, greatest uh, achievements, I think, was uh, he was in charge uh, at uh, the second rally. He'd just come back from uh, East Timor. And um, we gave him the job of being uh, head of security for the cheer girls and looked after them. <laughs> <laughs> what a job. So, so we thought job. that was pretty good. But uh, he's been deployed a number of times, uh, always takes a South Jersey. And um, he just came back from uh, the Sinai, actually, and the club presented him with a signed jersey. Uh, Cookie uh, uh, gave it uh, to him and had a sign uh, wishing him all the best uh, for his deployment. And he uh, uh, had uh, the jersey on the wall, wore a South jersey, and then uh, watched the games. And we spoke to him during the games uh, that South played last year. So uh, he's been a pretty passionate South uh, supporter over the years. Had no choice, actually. No. <laughs> Not at all. I suppose we might fast forward it to the, the court case. That was um, pretty emotional. I know myself as a fan, I know exactly where I was when that decision came down, but you guys were right in the thick of it. And um, maybe tie in uh, George's involvement, mate, the great George Piggins. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as I said earlier, George uh, was certainly and definitely our Winston Churchill during that fight. You know, uh, when you go to war, you need a great leader. And... Um, and we knew that George needed all the backing behind him of Group 14, um, the members and everybody else. We had to be unified as one. So it was really a, a very much a unifying team. Um, just going back one step, when we knew that the court case was coming on, and we had a number of court cases, we lost the interlocutory injunction to get back in the comp, which was a blessing in disguise, as I said earlier, because we, we couldn't afford to fight all of that. And... Um, and I remember uh, we we all had different roles in the club, and um, I was looking after marketing. Steve was Steve McDermott was looking after all the office admin. Martin was uh, director, looking after football. But Martin actually um, called together a, a lot of our lawyers, and that's when Nick Pappas joined us. And we had a meeting at the old club, and uh, we had um, a lot of uh, a lot of South supporters that were from the legal fraternity, and a lot of people might not remember the solicitor. Attorney General in New South Wales, Jim Spiegelman, and 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 um, Rowan Dark, and a whole, whole lot of uh, uh, very very respected QCs uh, came in and gave us all that advice, and that would have cost us a fortune otherwise. But uh, we knew the court case was coming, so when it did come about, being on the board, we were there all the time because technically we had to give direction to our legal team and uh, that that direction was really this is what we should do and we say yes we defer to your legal knowledge but but we did make certain decisions and and just uh, people may not realize that are listening but we actually had two um, um, cases running at the same time one was the contract claim and one was trade practices so we actually went on two arguments uh, the contract claim was great in that because um, trade practice is a very dry legal argument. But uh, the contract claim was great because you could get discovery on all the documents. And so you, you found a note from Lachlan to his father, Lachlan Murdoch to his dad, saying we need we need another you know, $10 million and we need this and we need that. And we, we had discovery on how much money um, the other clubs were receiving and it was millions and millions. And at the time, the only money we got was the TV rights, which from memory was about... $2 million, and everything else we had ourselves. All the other clubs were getting from News Limited $12 million, $14 million, uh, 29 to uh, 
the Cowboys. So it was set up to fail, basically. It was set up to fail. We, we, we were set up for failure. So we were able to do that in the contract case. But we, we had the great um, Tom Hughes, QC, who's one of the most eminent legal people running. And he came to us one day and he said, look, we've had the say with the contract case, but that's open for a lot of argument. We have to just go trade practices. So it was a very brilliant tactical move to drop contract and focus on trade practices that completely threw off the opposition. And um, and Martin will probably tell you the story. Martin's got a good story about the first day we walked into court with the number of QCs we faced. And uh, and it was uh, quite, a, quite an interesting story. But we had great legal advice. Nick Pappas did an amazing amount of work. I want to make special mention of one of our great volunteers, the great Phil Pike, Pikey, who every day just uh, got all the documents together, put them on trolleys, up and down, back to the court. And we really ran with a lot of volunteers during there. But Nick Pappas worked into the night. And we remember that News Limited and all their many solicitors were sending him faxes at two in the morning, answer this by tomorrow. And Nick just dealt with it all brilliantly. Just before we go to Martin, Jerry, uh, what about the support from the current and the past players at the time? Oh, look, you know, Tugger was there. I know... He was there all the way through because he was our coach, and he, he, we don't have to say anything more about Tugger because he was, um, you know, south through and through, and he was just brilliant. Anything he could do, but we had a lot of, a lot of the ex players that were with us, and uh, you guys were around at the time. Uh, everybody was rooting for us. I know Mario was felt in a very difficult position because he was working for the NRL at the time. But we knew where his heart was and his passion was. We did a lot of regional stuff. I know I went to the Scone thing we did and was, well, on, that, the, was on the footy show. Garlo helped us a bit there. So Garlo was there all the way through. And when we had our games, of course, a lot of our former players, ex-players, Spud Carroll, you know. Troy Slattery. Uh, Troy Slattery was there. We've actually, which we can talk about in a minute, but we've actually got pictures of all those ex-players that were with us during that time. And many of them supported us to the detriment of potentially their own career as well. If I could just add uh, to that with the players, uh, Craig Wing was another one and with Spad Carroll. Mm. He was. Uh, I was on the steps of the town hall standing next to Craig Wing right. at one of those rallies. So, and I really love the memory of that and the emotion of that time. I mean, we've just spoken about it, but that, that's something I'll never forget. But yeah, he it, did It was help. very difficult for him. He was a young kid, you know, and a super player, and super kid. They're still super guy mm. to, to this day. Uh, and he was the last player that stayed with South uh, right to the end when we didn't have a, t- a team. But he uh, and you know, Spud were involved in coming along and helping us when we approached uh, with uh, Downtown Duty Free and RSLcom, our sleeve sponsor and our main sponsors. These guys, you know, their career, you know, was disappearing in front of them. And they came along to help the club and to help convince those people that South was uh, a, a, a cause fighting for. One thing I, d- I just, if I can just go back, and you mentioned about George Piggins, um, with, you know, as Jerry said, being our Winston Churchill. The best way I can describe George uh, as his involvement with South, we played Western Suburbs out at Pratton Park one time, and my wife and I were standing on an old milk crate. We used to take that along if we went to the away games, and uh, standing on the hill there on the milk crate behind the goals. And George got the ball at about uh, 30 metres out, 
ran through about seven players mm. with uh, the incredible determination running straight at us, and he scored. Mm. Yeah. Little did I know at that time that that was our Winston Churchill because who better could you go to battle with uh, yeah. against New Zealand than yeah. George? Well, that was a famous try and we've shared that on our... Oh, Rex Mossop was calling Rex the game. Rex Mossop caught and we'll share it again on the episode webpage. I'll dig that up. But, but also before we move... determination, be, yeah. Before we move on, you did mention about when you walked into court. There was a story about that. Yeah. The first day when we walked into court for the interlocutory... Um, all uh, We had uh, Nick Pappas, our solicitor. We had... Uh, uh, QC uh, and two barristers and, you know, about five legal people plus us directors. And uh, we were up against 18, I think it was, other parties, all the other clubs, the ARL, New South Wales Rugby League, News Limited. So they all turned up with all their QCs and all their legal people, a cast of thousands. We had got tipped off that the judge said, uh, was going to say, that we didn't require to wear the regalia that the uh, the lawyers and solicitors used to wear, the wigs and gowns. So the judge said, um, well, you know, seeing this as a sporting case and because there were South supporters there and everything, uh, it's not appropriate to have all this uh, legal regalia. So just business suits will be OK. Mm. So we all turned up in business suits, and our legal people did, and then, of course, all the other legal people turned up in their wigs and gowns. <laughs> mm. And then the judge told them this, hey, you don't need to wear that. So they all had to turn around and walk out to take off all their gear. <laughs> so, all of gear. course, you can imagine all the South supporters, you know, that's something we'll always remember. Unreal. They gave them the raspberry, the old Redfern raspberry. <laughs> well, just in terms of the decision, what was your opinion that persuaded the judge to give us the verdict? Oh, well, you know, that was like, three cases later, uh, with the actual verdict. As Jerry said, the first case, it was good that we lost because if we uh, hadn't, uh, if we'd won that and had to play, we didn't have sponsors, we didn't have the money, and we could have fallen over uh, halfway through the season. And that would have been the end of South. You know, that was it. So, uh, and Jerry can relate to another instance in the later case where the judge said, hey, uh, in the third case, I think it was, if you guys fall over halfway through the season, because News Limited had said, hey, these guys haven't got money, what happens if they fall over halfway through the season and you destroy the competition? Mm. So he said, show us you can raise $10 million within a certain amount of time and uh, that you will be viable. I'll let Jerry uh, tell that story. Mm. Actually, that was a that was a huge shock to me because I was um, a, f- a few of us directors were called into the witness box during the that case, the last case, and being the director responsible for marketing, they said to me, "Well, what makes you think can you you, you can uh, survive?" And uh, because um, and then I said, "We've we we can raise the money," and said, "You need need about ten million dollars," and I said, "We have that because we actually had commitment from a lot of our members, but we hadn't." We had verbal commitment, but we had to lock it up. So fortunately, our legal team then asked for an adjournment for two weeks. And uh, within that two weeks, that was a very nerve-wracking moment where, we're, where I personally felt I just said in court that we, we got $10 million. Mm. And uh, that, that, that was, um, you know, really the start of the profile that we had that we could actually get that money. Nick Griner helped helped us with um, uh, sponsorship in introducing us to 
we had companies as Martin mentioned before, like Downtown Duty Free, RSL.com, and, and so Kerry forth. And Stokes was that the time? Well, that, that, that's that's what I was getting to. The, yeah. the, the the big one, the big one was, and absolutely full credit to Andrew Denton and Mike Whitney. Mm. They went to Kerry Stokes and they met him in his Sydney apartment, which was near the harbour, and um, they said we we need money, you know, five million dollars. Uh, because we we had the we had the rest, and o- obviously there was Channel Seven, Channel Nine, News Limited, and so forth, and the battle that was well publicised at the time between Kerry Stokes and um, and Rupert Murdoch. But after that very impassioned meeting, Kerry Stokes said, "Then and there, yes, we got the money." Mm. And I remember that when when they came out, Mike Whitney rang us. I think he rang Martin and. And a couple of the other directors and said we got the money and that was that was the turning point for us. We we could we walked back in two weeks later and we put the money on the table, and that was a huge huge swing for us. But um, just before that happened, um, one of the QCs for the other side in arguments said, "Well, you know, if Souths aren't there, uh, people still love rugby league, so uh, South people will just go and support another team." course we're in the largest court and the ga- public gallery is packed with south's people with south's flags and uh, which the judge to- as martin said the judge tolerated and and you should have heard the uproar that oh, crowds of bullshit and, <laughs> and, and the judges so get banging order on the gavel the and said order in the court i'll have you all removed and everything so and it took about half an hour for the place to settle down and people were laughing so that was really interesting but th- those those two instances i think really helped and I think the members being at court every day really played at the heartstrings of some of those federal court judges so we've got all this footage courtesy of John Trad, and we can reveal that there's a documentary planned and you guys are obviously uniquely placed to tell that story so can you give us a bit of an insight into what's happening there during during that time of our exclusion a young man came over to me with a movie camera during the first rally and said do you mind if I film this I said no fill your boots go for it and uh, where are you from? And he said, oh, I'm, I'm a Newtown Jets guy, but I Souths have to survive. And that was John Trad. And uh, for, for everybody listening to this, you, you probably know Traddy. He's uh, still a passionate Blue Bags, uh, oh, sorry, Jets supporter. And he's the guy that rides around raising money on his penny-farthing bike at Henson Park. And he's just a wonderful guy. And um, he actually then followed us around for every event. He was in the court. He filmed the rallies. He filmed uh, all our games with against the uh, Tomahawks, which is terrific because you see uh, the great Nathan Merritt run out for his very first game in the red and green, and we've got it, got that on film. Nice, it's terrific. Oh. And uh, the the Tomahawks game, the game against Murdy Packy, the uh, the the rallies, the events. Uh, so, as it turns out, we've got twenty seven hours of footage. So we're in discussions with the club, um, I, Martin and I are involved with the borough in supporting a lot of the borough activities to this day, working with the, the borough committee. We've we've helped organise a few events to raise money for the borough because a lot of people don't realise every time they unfurl one of the big banners, it's $3,000. And these are our members that have been paying it for themselves. So we had a dinner where we raised $14,000 to help pay for that and uh, so on. So... The, we met with uh, the club and our great commercial manager, Shannon Donato, a terrific, and Ben Clink from media. And uh, the guy said, look, we'll give you full support 
um, for doing this, but it'd be great if it was member generated. So mm. uh, Martin and I took it back to the borough and um, and uh, John Trad agreed we need to look after John. It's his footage. So mm-hmm. we've got an agreement with John that he ceded the footage uh, and we'll be compensated for it, of course, for uh, uh, to the borough. And it's so emotional, this footage, watching it. We've shown um, a number of people involved with the club this footage and members will see it on selected snippets on South's websites and reference to it from Rabbitohs Radio, of course. But the plan is that we'll be developing, without saying too much, because we're still working on the plans, it's early days, but the plan is that the the DVDs of the rallies, all the events and the whole documented history of our fight back will be available to members. Obviously, it'll be commercial because the money, when I say commercial, the money raised will be used for a couple of uh, purposes. One is to uh, support borough activities and members' activities, to support junior clubs where a donation will be made from any sales to all junior clubs, and to support South's Cares. So it's not for profit. We intend to actually go crowdfunding with aspects because we have been approached and having discussions about a full documentary on this, but they're very early days in the discussions. And Keith McGraw and the juniors are supporting the project that's, as well? That's the icing on the cake. And um, again, the juniors have always cannot just underestimate the support that we get from the mighty juniors. And Keith McGraw and his board um, have granted um, a substantial sum for the development of this footage because they feel it's so much part of the history of our great club and... Uh, we're just honoured, and, and as the custodians, I'm speaking on behalf of the borough committee, which have authorised us to say this, but this is really a gift to the members that we've got our history documented during that period. Because so many young people and people that weren't there at the time or and those that were there at the time, it'll just really put into highlight what we went through. So we're very excited about and when, that. And when you say a documentary, something like Netflix, Stan, Amazon... Well, uh, absolutely. Along that line? Uh, along that line, hopefully. We obviously have to have discussions with the club because we can't contravene any commercial arrangements and we know that Russell's very involved in, mm. in um, you know, a lot of uh, arrangements and but connections. I think it's got, sorry, it's got huge potential, like Brownie just said. If this documentary's made from, you know, like a rags to riches story and we all know as mad rabbitos how that progression is we went from basically the shit house to the penthouse where we are now yeah, and that absolutely. whole you guys we're all involved in it and we, we've worn our heart on our sleeve about it and if that story can be told from we were going bad kicked out of the comp all this fight back yeah. all the footage and then we get back in and then the yes no vote and then all of a sudden we win the grand final and to where we are now i think that's a it's got huge potential it, it's it's david and goliath all over again mm. and um and uh so we have put a production team together and we'll be liaising very closely with the club because I, I guess uh, we've got some professional people involved. Uh, my son Dan's involved, have, being involved in a lot of productions in the States and so on. And uh, But but again, I, I want to emphasise that any dollars coming out of this is going straight back into South support of charity, the borough, yeah, the borough junior so clubs and so on. That's Sorry. wonderful. And you mentioned the borough. So who, who are the the key members of the borough, just give them a shout-out, our, our hard-working borough members. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, Michelle Booth, uh, Josh Kemp, uh, um, forgive me if I miss anybody's names, Mel Brunner, um, Michael Tusker. Um, there, there are some really, truly wonderful so people So important to this club, that. those guys. And um, they were at the game last night. 
Oh, they're, they're at every Speaking game. Speaking of Josh they're, out they're the front. At, they're Dam- at every Dam- game. Damo Batty, he's another da- one. Da- Damo Batty is actually on our uh, production committee for this as well. And uh, we're working very closely with that team and we're engaging particularly with the club's media team and hopefully Rabbitohs Radio too yeah. on this project. The, the players are the legends, but so are the fans, I believe. Mm. Oh, I think that's what separates us so much. And, and testimony of that is when any... any of our new players come, even Benji and Jai Arrow, they're just everybody's just blown away mm. by how we all work together as a, as a club and a team. Well, we'll just yeah. You can, can I you, just you add, add to that uh, just a couple of things we were saying about you know the the supporters. Now have a look at you guys, you know, ex players who have such a deep involvement with the club and their passion for the club, and you look back at all the players over the years, and I don't even want to start mentioning them besides you guys, but uh, they become part of the club. And that's the key. And, and, you know, we say about just supporters. Well, I, I suppose we have to give a lot of credit to Russell Crowe. We haven't mentioned him much. And mm. he did a lot involved with our Group 14 initially. But he purchased uh, three weeks after we got kicked out. We had um, a, uh, a dinner at the convention centre. We had 1,700 people uh, there. We had 700 on the waiting list. We raised, uh, I think it was over $300,000. Russell bought the bell uh, at that time, spent a considerable amount of money. But then uh, with the yes vote, and there was controversy with that, but still when you look at it, it was over 75% of the uh, members supported it. And uh, so Russell uh, got actually control of the club. But the greatest thing that he did, besides the money that he's invested and the time and the passion is his insistence upon the professionalism. Uh, this was the key. Uh, you know, it's a simple thing. You know, the Armani suits, it was a bit of a joke to some people, but that sent a very strong signal. It suddenly sent, hey, Souths are not just a battler's team anymore. We're up there with everyone else. Yeah, it was and a recipe, can, recipe for success. For success. That and continues to, today, and we're in the Rabbitohs offices, and you might have heard a few of the... the the, the workers out there and a bit of background noise, but we're up here in the Rabbitohs offices, and it's it is a it's a we have a, just had a win. We've had a win. It's Everyone's happy, win. and it's yeah. that's run like a professional business that we can all be proud of. Yep. And when you have a look at the team and the support people that are put together as well, because it's not only the players on the field, but it's all the support, the medical people, all the administrative people. Uh, it all comes together. It's a team. You know, it's the players, it's the supporters, it's the the uh, administration that all gets together that makes us what it is. And uh, that's one of the things uh, that I often say about South, you know, uh, going through two world wars, the supporters of depression um, and then the fight back and everything else. Uh, you know, people couldn't afford to do too much in those days. Uh, and football was one of the few things that they could go and support. And that's why South is so strong. And I always say, you know, Rugby league is the people's game and South are the people's team. Yes, I like it. They sure are. They sure are, Martin. Right when you talk about the professionalism, right down to our merchandise. I believe we've got the best merchandise in the game. If you want to go out and get some merchandise, head over to our Heffron Park there, our merchandise store. Same over there. They've got some fantastic polos, the black polos with the gold. We're wearing it right now. The boys have got the green ones with the white rabbits and those new jumpers and all the wet weather gear are fantastic. Jump over there to Heffron Park, please, and uh, support the club. Sorry, just going back to uh, what, what you were just talking about, the people's team, the Tugger came, came out with a, a wonderful quote. There's a little bit of South Sydney in everyone. Exactly. And how true is that? Every South Sydney, if it, it's not your main supporting team, 
It's your second team, isn't that, it? That was exactly right. And that was one of the great things uh, with that second rally that um, uh, we held and people were angry. We got support from all the other clubs and we've had administrators from some of the other teams that merged and they come back and say to us, hey, we should have stuck with you guys because the worst thing we did was merge because they lost so much of uh, their history. One other quote, I often use that one he said about Tugger quoting. I always remember him saying about them playing with a team and he said, we'll play them in George Street with playing with a brick. Bricks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how he used to do it back in Redfern. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just yeah, and following on from Martin's point, um, I think it's, it's also relevant to mention that when we started the fight back and we wanted to go to court, we actually invited and spoke to, as Martin said, we spoke to other teams. We wanted them to join us because we thought, gee, we're facing Super, well, News Limited, the NRL, we're facing everybody on our own. And they all re- they all refused. And, th- and all those teams, clubs that refused to join us because they thought we wouldn't win, they're not there anymore. So mm. we have to remember that um, it was South that stood alone. And that, that was a very important uh, point to make, I think. I think it sure was. I don't think any of us wanted to... Some of the t- clubs they tossed up, the Roosters, they wanted to uh, merge us with them and that didn't last very long, that discussion. Um, but just um, going forward, like all, all the, the battles we went through as supporters or, or the team and, 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 the, and the board to win win ourselves back into the competition and we weren't very successful for many years and, and all of a sudden we found ourselves in a grand final in 2014, boys. Tell us your grand final stories and, and where you are and your memories of it. Okay, I'll, I'll start off. We, we were obviously sitting together. Um, we had um, our, our children with us. Uh, uh, Martin took his South Sydney badge, which goes everywhere, that Clive Churchill gave him. We, we had our little granddaughter, Jasmine, there. Uh, remember my son was watching it. He was filming a show in New York, so he was sitting crying in his hotel room at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> trying to ring me. And it, it was just... Pure joy is all we can remember. I mean, I, I remember personally just being happy to be there, that we were in a grand final, you know. I, I hope and prayed that we could win. Um, but having, having uh, the, the family around us and looking at the crowd, Martin and I looked at each other and we said, well, you know, there are a lot of people involved in this, a lot of people involved, but we looked at each other and we took some personal satisfaction that we were part of that story that got us there to that day. So you should. Yeah, when we started the whole thing with uh, Group 14 and we wanted to fight News Limited, we always said, we, we said to ourselves, we've got to fight this because if we don't, for the rest of our lives, we won't be able to look each other in the eye unless we did everything we possibly could to help the club and to help South be there. And that grand final, as Jerry said, when you looked out over the crowd at the end of the game, it was just magic. And you saw, talked to anyone that was there. And I think by the time we count the number of people, I think there were 400,000 people there that day because every South supporter said, I was there, I yeah. was there. <laughs> but it was just incredible. The atmosphere um, that South brings is like nothing else. And when you look at the grand finals, they're all pretty good, but they don't have the passion that uh, a South grand final. No, that's right. Just one other thing that really sticks in my mind from that day, and I never thought I'd see this. We we, we like to uh, have a go at the Bulldogs and other teams, but I, I've got to say I've never seen so many Bulldog support, supporters smile and congratulate us and say they were happy for us. Mm. 
and that really sticks out as well. That 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 that's what makes me think that that was a unifying day for rugby league. And you know, I know there's been lots of s- stories and even controversy about the yes/no vote, but I just want to say, George and Russell in, in on that day almost became the partnership, which they might uh, a partnership in that George brought forth the history and the spirit and the fighting spirit and the never-say-die attitude. Russell took that and professionalised it to the extent that we won a grand final and we're a power in rugby league now. And I think both gentlemen deserve absolute praise for that. They played their part. It's not an us or them, yes or no. It's about South Sydney and them bringing the South Sydney spirit and strength together. And, you know, I I think uh, any controversy or discussion about that is a mute point because uh, we're all South Sydney. We just should be grateful for what we have today. Uh, Speaking of the great club and your thoughts on 2021, we've had a win last night and that was four in a row. Uh, What are your thoughts on the 2021 squad and our chances of winning another premiership? Well, over the years, uh, and I've been, as I said, following the club since 1954, uh, this is the best squad. Uh, we have had some great teams, but when you look at the number of p- uh, players in our squad, it's the best squad we've ever had, rounded out on every position. Um, and the backup supporter, uh, our bench, when it comes on, is hardly any different from our starting lineup. Mm. The greatest thing, I think, is that they're playing in the traditional South Sydney way, you know, forwards building them up the middle mm. and then the backs take over and we score plenty of tries. Mm. Uh, and, and that's great to see. The other thing that's great to see is the attitude of the players and the uh, How happy team. are they? Yeah, I mean, they support each other. Uh, now our team, when someone makes a break with the ball, they look around and there's four players saying, give it to me, give it to me. You know, everyone wants the ball. Mm. When the team's not going well, you saw with Brisbane, you know, they're all hiding. Um, but their joy and uh, Latrell Mitchell is a good example. It looks like he's really found not only a football home, but a spiritual home as well. He looks uh, happy, doesn't he, mate? Yeah, and, and when the players are happy and they're such a great squad... And that's a credit to all the support staff, of course, Wayne Bennett. No one can teach him anything about, you know, running a club and a team and Jason Demetriou uh, as well and all the other support staff and the medical people getting players. I think the professionalism of when a player gets injured and you hear the medical reports that the guys give, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we've had some long-term people there. Um, uh, Terry you know, Kurlitz. Yeah, Kurlitz Terry Kurlitz. Uh, you know, and yeah. our club doctor, yeah. and, um, and and that all helps to build this squad that we have at the present time. And last night we didn't have Cody Walker. Well, you know, I mean, the players just uh, competed as though he was still there. Wow. Uh, so uh, this is the great thing: seeing this great team come together, and that doesn't happen overnight. It's taken a few years. So we're all super excited here, aren't we, boys? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. If, uh, yeah. I think we're better placed now to really make an impact at the end of the year than uh, we ever have been. Jerry? It's the old saying, when the Rabbitohs are doing well, the league's doing well. The league's well. doing well, that's for sure. I think, I think it's just the depth that we have this year. The fact that the players don't only play for each other, you know. One thing that I've really noted about this team, they say, oh yeah, we, other teams say, well, yeah, we're playing for each other and so on. But our boys are playing for the whole South Sydney community and that shows on the field. 
the the way they respect the crowd. You know, we were down in Melbourne for the game, and and even we were just a small little contingent. But the respect that the players came over to us after the loss, they were disappointed, but they all came over as one and thanked us for being there. The the members feel as though they're respected and they love this team. We we love this team, and I'd, I'd agree with Martin. I think it's the strongest squad we've had. Also, the commitment to the juniors and and bringing our young people through, it's just astounding. I think that uh, that's the one thing that I think is going to set us up for many years to come. What a great to see young Dean Hawkins come on the field last night and, and how happy the players were for him to finally get a run. I think Wayne said in the press conference in the uh, captain's run, he said uh, Dean's wanted to play the South Sydney Rabbitohs since he was 13 and he finally got to realise that dream last night um, after a lot of trials and tribulations, boys. Yep, and the Premiership in 2021 will be the final piece of the documentary, boys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just with what you're saying too, you know, you talk about uh, Dean Hawkins, and my mind goes back, I remember Tugger running, running onto the field, you know, same sort of story, you know, always wanted to play for South, and here we go again, you know, bringing up the South Juniors. One thing I'd like to mention, uh, <clears throat> which is quite significant and shows what South is about, just a couple of weeks ago, we lost a very close supporter of uh, uh, our club, Michael Cheney, mm. passed away, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, we went to the funeral and uh, that same day, that night, all the family came to the game. Mm. And uh, Damien Cook, after the game, came into the stands and presented his jersey uh, to his wife, Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that spoke what South is about. What it's know? all about. And that's, I did a, a thing on the show for that. And one thing I did say, and we spoke about all these legends of the club, like your Damo Baddies and, and Michelle Booths and all of that. And what I say is that not all legends of this South Sydney Rabbitohs had to have actually played for the team. So there's guys like you that are legends and my, all my co-hosts and mates here and all the South Sydney family, we can all be considered legends. So, Boys, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining us on Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, boys, what a great chat with some of the most passionate fans you'll ever meet. And not only just passionate fans, they put their time and their money where their mouth is and they've, they've kept this great club's dream alive for a long, long time. Well, it was a good chat. We told them we might keep them for about half an hour. It went for an hour, but they do love a chat, the boys, as you know, from just listening to this. And But it was great content. I know that all the listeners would love hearing those stories, and we did too. Yeah, definitely, and really looking forward to the documentary that's going to be made. Uh, a lot of footage that they've got, and they've been through it all. And we could be involved in the latter part of that doco, talking about the modern Rabbitohs, and how there's a Rabbitohs radio podcast coming to you loud and clear in your headset, or in your car via Bluetooth, or on your speakers, just pumping loud at home. Or on the phone. Or just on the phone. Churchill Rayner and John Sadler too. Because of their spirits we, we know what to do Rabbit old you are, doing us proud Listen to the people, can you hear the cheering crowd We've won before, we will do it again Because South Sydney will be there at the end Today is the day we've been waiting for since last January by Goodball uh, good training. You've got right to the grand final for the fourth time. John, you're the captain of the team. You've captained the team very well. The fellas admire you. If you forwards go well, the backs will go well.
This is Remembering a Rabbitoh, brought to you by Export Freight Systems, with thanks to Brad Ryder. Now, we'll just recap last week. My mate Rod Spencer, he didn't have much time to prepare for the feature we did on his dad, Malcolm, and he's been sending me some stuff during the week, and it's a shame we weren't doing it a week later because he's sent a heap more stuff, but just quickly. So Rowdy told me that his dad, Malcolm, and the 55 side formed a guard of honour for the 89 side that me and you played in, Brownie, because they won the same amount of games in a row. And Rowdy also sent me a framed picture of Clive Churchill dedicated to Clary. And I said to him, who's Clary that it's been dedicated to? And he doesn't remember. But <laughs> So if you're out there, Clary, tell us. And we're going to share that photo on the episode webpage. So, chaps, Clive Churchill. Yeah, indeed. Clive Bernard Churchill. Rabbitoh number 365. Nickname, The Little Master. Born in Newcastle, New South Wales, 21st of January, 1927. Churchill was a talented swimmer and boxer as a kid, coming through the schoolboy level. He was also a rugby league star at Morris Brothers Hamilton, where he captained them to five consecutive premierships at all age levels. Now, he played for Central Newcastle in 1947, but the, the brothers never used to let him play too much when he was at school. They sort of only let him play sparingly. They, they, they sort of like to keep him for the schoolboy team. But when he got a little bit older, he got to make his own decision. He got to play a full season down there, and he used to play barefoot for them. And he could kick left and right foot, ex- extremely explosive. He could tackle tackle front rolls, snap him in half. He was ambidextrous. He was an absolute freak. And now from that game, he was selected in a city-country game for the country seconds. And it happened to be a Rabbitohs scout on hand, David Sprick, a club legend, and he selected him to come down and play for the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs halfway through that 47 season. And they didn't muck around, boys. They put him straight in the first grade. And he debuted at Erskineville Oval in round 79 in 47 against the Newtown Bluebags, boys. We had a win, and that was on the 16th of August, and he kicked three goals. So straight away, he made an immediate impact. Now, the following year, in 1948, he had such an amazing season in 48. they put him straight in the kangaroo team. Wow. Selected for Australia from the bush football all in one year, 12 months. Mm. He played against the Kiwis. And in the same year, he toured France and England in 48-49 tour. In 1950, he was named captain and led the Aussies to one of the most famous wins of all time, securing the Ashes for the first time in 30 years. He appeared in 99 consecutive rep games. I don't know if anyone will oh, ever oh, break that record. That's nah. including, he never nah. missed a City selection, never missed a New South Wales selection, never missed a Kangaroo selection. It's a bit like Bradman, 99, isn't it? It is. Oh, it's 99. Yeah. Two of the greats. Mm. Oh, two of the greatest. And, and we've heard people um, talk about when he was in England, people used to pull him aside Clive when he was over there and say can you kiss my baby you know he's like he's like the queen coming to town mm. or the yeah. king yeah like the king yeah <laughs> sorry. king Clive sorry Clive <laughs> well Ron, yeah. Ron, Ron Coote told that story uh, that's part of the uh, Ron Coote if you want to dig up that oh on our when we interviewed Ron Coote yeah he did I'll just back it up a year in 1949 South Sydney made their first grand final in 18 years and they were beaten by the Dragons but the following year in 1950, that same year where he won the Ashes, 
had their first win in a long, long time, boys. And, and they went on a grand final streak. They played in seven straight grand finals, winning five of them. Clive was also named man of the match in that 1954 one. A golden era, and we've spoken about a few of those players on Remembering a Rabbitoh, but I'm glad we're doing the little master now because he was instrumental in all those wins. He sure was. Now, in 1958, he took over from Jack Rayner, who was captain coach, and he finished up being the captain coach of South that year. But he ended up having a falling out with the club over um, a financial situation. I think he was getting £500 to be a player, and you're supposed to get £500 to be a coach, and they, and they gypped him £140, so he, he stormed out of the joint. Wow. And that was, uh, I, I heard that story out of um, Johnny Sattler's book. Obviously, they would have had to work, chaps. Did he, did he have a job as well? Yeah, he had a couple of jobs. Obviously, he was a service station attendant. He was also a, a taxi driver. Yeah, he'd done all sorts of jobs, Clive. We would have had him at the wharves if it was the modern times, a few of us out there. And yeah, and he wouldn't have got not paid today. Zouse would have made sure he was well remunerated and then kept him on as a member of staff. He sure would have. Anyway, he went up to Brisbane North up there and captain coached them to a premiership the following year. And he retired from first-class footy, but he had a run for Moree in 1961. The Boomerangs. Yep, that was his final year that he, he played. But he decided to get back into coaching. The Bulldogs came calling, the Canterbury Bulldogs, and he went down over there to Belmore, coached them in 63-64, didn't have a great year in 64, finished up with a wooden spoon. And anyway, a couple of years later, he was reunited with the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. And he finished up being the coach in 1967 with immediate success. With that famous win over the Bulldogs. They end up playing in five straight grand finals, winning four of them. Yeah, how good's that? And he resigned during that 1975 season. He'd had enough of the game by then. He needed a rest. He'd been in the game a long, long time. There's some footage of, I think, before the 1970 grand final when Sat's got his jaw broken and his Clive Churchill, Johnny Sattler, two of the greats of our club. So, yeah. He's won all those comps, the little master, then comes back and coaches all those wins. This is why he is held in such high esteem in this club. Now, it was a great side that he was coaching. They didn't need a hell of a lot of pointers, but uh, he was a great man manager and he knew how to keep everyone happy. And this sort of story tells it. This is told by John Sattler. Now, Jack Gibson was a young coach in the game and he came come up with the, the tackling stat. So he'd come in and say, you know, you've had X amount of tackles and blah, blah, blah. And Clive thought, that's it. I'm bringing it in. So he got one of his taxi driver mates to, to come into the club. Knew nothing about football. He started getting him to do the tackle counts. Anyway, they've come in at half time one day and, you know, uh, Bobby McCarthy, fantastic job, mate. 12 tackles. Keep it up, mate. Ronnie Coote, 16. Mate, I need that in the second half and we'll get the win here. George, two tackles. Terrible, mate. It's shocking. And he kept, kept going on anyway. But before they went out for half time, he looked over in the corner and George had taken his uh, boots and his socks off and his head was in his hands and he said, what's going on, George? And he goes, you can go and get effed, mate. I've tackled my heart out out there. You're kidding. I've had enough. I'm going home. <laughs> and he thought to himself, oh, no. It was always about keeping the team happy. And he goes, all right, the tackle counts can go and get stuffed. George, get them boots back on. Get back out there. We're brushing the tackle counts. So. Yeah, that's good. So anyway, that was the sort of coach Clive was. He kept everyone happy, mate. And, and he had that many accolades in the game. I went through it. I couldn't tell them all. But I'll just give you a brief a brief rundown of them. 
He won 12 different Player of the Year awards. They were run by the two papers, the, the Herald, Sun, and the Telegraph, 12 of them. Wow. And obviously, we all know that in 1981, he was named an immortal in the first class of the immortals. The only South Sydney player, and I've got to gripe about that. Mm. After winning 21 premierships, we should have more immortals, in yeah, my we opinion. Should. We should. In 1985, he was named in the Australian Sports Hall of Fame. Not just rugby league. That's big. That's big. In 1986, they named a grandstand in his honour at the SCG. To this day, still stands. I'm sure we've all had a seat in um, one of those grandstands. And against mentioning cricket, soccer. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or any sport that's played there, the AFL, mm. it's the Clive Churchill stand. Yep. Yeah, that'll, that'll be there for a long, long time. And they also named the NRL grand final man of the match in his honour. Yep. As you know, and there's only ever been one South player win it. The great Sam Burgess in 2014. Yep, the Clive Churchill medal. And Jeez. Um, and Joyce would have presented Sam with that medal. Now, she would have she did. presented many of the great players over the years with the medal, but she wouldn't have got a bigger thrill than when she presented her very own Sam Burgess, the mighty South Sydney Rabbitoh legend. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she always loved Billy Slater. She always, because obviously Clive was a fullback. He won it plenty of times, old Billy. Mm. He was also named the best rugby league player by Rugby League Week magazine in the top 100 players. So they named him the best player of the century. He was also named fullback of the century for the New South Wales team, fullback of the Australian Kangaroos team of the century. So there ain't too many things that that the little master didn't win. Now he played 317 first-class matches and he coached in 13 grand finals in first-class grand finals and winning 10 of them. So he is, without doubt, the, the greatest player to ever put on a Cardinal and Myrtle jersey, boys. Yeah, what a player. And I've only got to watch games on TV, footage. And what a well-balanced runner he was of the ball. A fullback, he had a lot of speed. It's okay to have speed, but in rugby league, you've got to be well-balanced as well. And he reminds me of his running style, a lot of Greg Alexander. The way Greg Alexander used to run, if you watch uh, Brandy run and then you go back and watch Clive run, he's very similar. And what a player. He just used to slice through the defence uh, when he'd, you know, regather a kick and link up with his outside men. Yeah. Champion. Well, they reckon the old guys that actually saw him play will remember that and tell those stories. And it's hard to do him justice if you're just watching it on TV. To see him live was something else. And. Someone who did see him live was Ray Steer broadcasting on 2UE. And he said, I never saw the master, Daly Messenger, but I've just seen the little master, Clive Churchill. And that's how the name stuck. My dad's seen him play his whole career. He was obviously born in the 1930s. And the stories that he told, he said he was the first fullback to chime into the back line. And he had a fantastic combination with Ian Moyer. Like, they were just like a sixth sense, so to speak. And he said, what stands out in his mind about Clive Churchill is not so much his attack and that, but his defence. He was a, he's only slight. I think he's around 70 kilo mark, but he people would break through the front line and he would just snap him in half. And he mm-hmm. said, look, these days he probably gets suspended. He's just spear him into the turf. They wouldn't get up. Yeah. He, he was the most ferocious defender for his size. His technique was unbelievable. And tough. And Rowdy told the story last week when he broke his arm, they wrapped it up in the cardboard box and the next minute he comes out and goes on to win the game for the mighty Rabbitohs and that's just uh, epitomises what he was about. And what our club's about.
Back in the days that Clive played, the fullbacks didn't run because he used to run the footy. Look at Churchill cutting through nicely there, stepping out of a tackle there. As a fullback, you can think more than blokes up close like the centres and forwards. I can get back there and think what I'm going to do even before I get the ball. NRL News brought to you by NG Farrow Real Estate. Now, boys, uh, we've mentioned on a couple of occasions, NG Farrow have taken over the office there at Malabar, next door to Crazy Chicks. And since they have, they've already done over $80 million in residential sales. Oh, what? That's amazing, boys. Mm. So they've really tapped into that market out there at Malabar and Little Bay, Chifley, Matraville, just down the road from you, Chaps. they got that record sale. Yeah, there's some Unbelievable. amazing prices going at the moment. Um, the real estate is just booming in, in, in Australia at the moment. It's going can, mental. Can we take some credit for that, for pumping up? The NG Farron brand and name in Malabar. Oh, no, definitely. Yeah, I yeah. think we can. Glenn knows that. And if you are thinking of selling and you're in that area, call the Southeast Specialist on 9311-7711, and that's a direct line to the Malabar office. I'll just tell you a little quick story. There was a mate of mine from work. You blokes, you know, we don't need to name him. He's a Roosters fan. But anyway, he had a, a mate of his who, I think in 1993, bought a semi for 240000 He just sold it yesterday for $6.3 million. It's a record in Bondi for, for semis. He didn't have his place up for sale. The bloke knocked on his door. Thought, there's a bloke. He just wants this semi. He wants it. It's original. Blah, blah, blah. Bang. 6.3. He signed on the dotted line. He's out of here. Gee. The old saying, a property is only worth what someone is willing to pay. Okay, so NRL News... And some footage emerged last week of some bulldog grubs who assaulted our man Charlie Rabbit. So we just hope that they're caught, charged and banned for life. If you've got any information, please contact the NRL or the Rabbitohs. That's yeah. disgraceful, boys. The NRL are looking into it. They've got the footage. And, you know, hopefully they're, they're named and shamed. Yeah, you're talking about a, a bloke who just loves the job. You know, he loves the club. Doesn't do it for money. I don't think there's any money in no, it. No, he does He just, just absolutely loves the joint. And, and he goes around and puts so many smiles on kids' face. My kids couldn't stop pointing out Charlie last night at the game. Oh, look, there's Charlie, Dad. Mm. You know, and, and the players love him. Oh, they love him. And he's well respected. Righto, boys. We'll preview that round six clash out there at Stadium Australia against the West Tigers, boys. 5.30 p.m. next Saturday the 17th. Um, look, I mean, on paper, it's probably... Looks like a little bit of a mismatch, but the Tigers have showed a bit of game in the, in the past few weeks, boys, and, and I think pretty impressed with that fullback they've got there. Dane Laurie, he's got a bit of zip about him, mate. He has, definitely, and like we said to you earlier, we are recording on Friday, so the Tigers game has not been played yet. They're playing the Cowboys on Sunday, and chaps, you just mentioned it, they showed a little bit of grit the other day when they played the Eels. They were in the game for a long period of time, but a little bit like the Broncos, they're probably a little bit down in confidence. Joey Leilua has they've dropped him back to reserve grade. So Madge's not stuffing around there. He wants results. And, you know, it's going to be a, a tough game for us. But I think if we just play the way we played last night, get through some high completions, I'm sure we'll be looking at five in a row. Well, they're sitting 13th on the ladder, the Tigers. So I've got us penciled in to win that one already regardless of what they do against the Cowboys. It's going to be a big game. And like you said, chaps, there's going to be three grades on there from 12.40. And our game will be the post-game show up in the members' deck, the P&O members' deck after the game. And we had Charlie Rabbit up there last time. I'm not sure if he's coming again. but Yeah, he'll we'll, be there. Yeah, we'll announce our guests during the week. So 
and this one's going to be a bit better because the game's at 5.30. So by the time it's over, it's not going to be late, 7.30, 8 o'clock. I think we're scheduled for 7.30 on stage. Yeah, so come up, say hello, have a couple of beers with us, let the traffic subside, and you can mix with some of the great borough members up there. It'll be red and green wall-to-wall on Saturday after the game. Well, it makes a difference just to hang around at the game a little bit longer and let that car park flow out, especially if in P1 or, or whatnot. Kick back for for a good half. I oh, know I did last night. I didn't rush out of the game. Went to the press conference. Went downstairs, watching all the families. They were heading into the uh, the dressing rooms. By the time I got to P one, it was it was certainly empty. And I spoke to a bloke at work, Brian, his Mad South fan, and he said, "Oh, we just sat in P one there for twenty minutes." Well, that was the there, thing, you you know, yeah, no, there you go. You know, no point rushing out if you're in P one. And we've all no. done it. We've all sat in that P one. And now you've got a place you can go, come and meet the team, have a laugh, put on a good show. We'll have a special guest. And you're much better off doing that than sitting in the car. No, definitely. And we look forward to seeing everyone up there. Just going back to the game, chaps. We'll have Cody Walker back. A big plus. Oh, yeah, big plus. Um, look, In saying I mean, that, Benji did do a great job for us. He did. He was fantastic. He, might play, a sixth, he might play a sixth role next next week. Something else. What, well, else, he what hasn't he done? He can play in the centres or something? Or? Yeah, he'd be um, Chili Lime. Six roles on offer over there. <laughs> Chili Lime, Matcherville. But, um, wrong half. Yeah, instead of wrong half, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, don't don't forget. I mean, we're going to have Jacob Host. He'll be in there again. I reckon he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, mm. Keon's got the two weeks, mm. and he's a bit of a big body. But Cody Walker coming in just just might be a little bit more crisper on that left hand side. Mm. I mean, I don't know how much more crispy he can be than Benji, but um, no, no. He, he's such a key cog to our team. This Cody Walker boys. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, he's a go to player uh, when we we need something special. Cody seems to pull something out of the bag and. Uh, just touching on Benji, like you said, he'll go back to 14, but he even played at number nine again last night uh, when Dean Hawkins come on, Cookie come off. Mm. Benji went to nine and, you know, just what value have we got out of Benji Marshall already? Never missed a beat. Backed up um, backed up Latrell for that flick pass and, you know, I mean, what else can the bloke do? That's exactly right. Is he is he in the territory of by the year? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Who's been more valuable than this bloke? Yeah. Oh, no well, one wanted him. He's the value by the year. Or the by the year is Joy Arrow. Joy Arrow. Then we've got both the, of them. The val- yes, we've got the... He's the value by the year. I think yeah. Joy Arrow's been fantastic. But the Roosters didn't want him. The Bulldogs didn't want him. The Tigers yeah. certainly didn't want him. Yeah. Mm. We want him. We oh. love him. He's a fan favourite, Al Benji Marshall. So make sure you come up to the game, come up to the post-game show. And just before we go, it's been a long show. Thanks for sticking with us. We just mentioned the Top 4 podcast, another good show during the week. They mentioned their Top 4 tries. I was waiting to get a mention, my first try at Redfern Oval <laughs> against the Panthers, but nah, only Gino. I love that I love that try, but, but anyway. It was a good show by them. Make sure you support them. Subscribe to the Rabbitohs Podcast Network. Rate and review, that's important to us, to pump us up. And tell your friends to come across from our old place to our new place, our new home on the Rabbitohs Podcast Network. I love it, boys. Love the top four. Yeah, I love the top four. I listen to it every week. And I just want to get this in. 13 plus against the Tigers. Yeah, I'm going to say 19 plus against the Tigers, boys. Yep, 13 plus all round. Beautiful. Great show, boys. The Listening Brothers, the Little Master, and a win. How good. We had it all. Take us out, Maroon. Thanks for listening to Rabbitohs Radio Podcast. Proudly presented by What If, official travel and pathways partner of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Support the club and visit whatif.com forward slash rabbitos to book your next trip. 
Don't forget to use the code RABBITOS15 to get 15% off selected hotels. Conditions apply. What if it's Aussie for travel?